This is Liquid Gold. Mike, let you go for it. All right. Where the days are long and the nights are old, welcome back to Liquid Gold here on WeOwnThisTown.net. We own this town podcast network. Thank you to our producer, Michael Eads. This is Liquid Gold, a podcast about beverages, all the things you put in your glass. And for a while now, this new series that we're starting, this is episode two of the new series on Liquid Gold, Garden Teened. We are quarantined to the garden? Well, not quite. But that's what we're going to be talking about on this new series here on Liquid Gold. I want to give a shout out to Jess Matchin, our artist in residence here at Liquid Gold. Did the awesome logo and does cool stuff on our Instagram as well as her Instagram. So check her out. She's got some garden teened artwork coming up. That'll be fun. My name's Mike Wolf, coming to you from the home studio here in Inglewood, Nashville, Tennessee. And I want to just thank you for joining us. We've had some cool feedback from some listeners and my co-host mr kenneth edmund will be checking in with us uh sending us some booze news anecdotes that are out there in the world he's got a great news story about the pope that we've been excited about talking about today he is on the road just traveling to like the texas hill country yeah he's just he's on a journey out in the middle of nowhere just vibing so he's gonna be checking in with us and we miss uh, we miss having Kenneth around the Liquid Gold offices, but he is out there doing his work, doing his booze newsing and news boozing and all those things. Kenneth, can't wait to talk to you later on. We want to throw a shout out to our sponsors at Wild Roots Vodka. WildRootsSpirits.com coming to you in Nashville from Spirit Animal Co-op and our friend Aaron Barnett. Thank you so much. At Wild Roots Vodka, they believe that in the crowded world of vodka, something was missing. There were no natural options. Artificial fruit extracts, flavors, and colors lined the shelves, and they knew something had to be done. So through their desire for naturally infused spirits, Wild Roots was born. They are natives to the Pacific Northwest, and yes, they are available here in Nashville from Spirit Animal Co-op. Out there in the Pacific Northwest, they knew there were few places in the world that produced fruit as flavorful and abundant as Oregon's Willamette Valley. The rich soil, pure water, and exceptional climate allow the fruit to develop an unparalleled taste and balance, which is crucial for creating an authentic tasting spirit. Each bottle of Wild Roots Vodka starts with six times filtered corn-based vodka infused with over a pound of natural Northwest-grown fruit. To capture the essence of the beautiful Northwest, they chose fruits that weren't only rich in flavor, but history as well. Just some incredible flavors. So their Huckleberry Vodka, amazing. They have a Marionberry Vodka, similar to like a Mulberry. They have a Raspberry Vodka and a Peach Vodka that are just incredible. Also, I do want to mention they have their Wild Roots Gins. They have the London Dry Gin and a Cucumber and Grapefruit Infused Gin. So they are available here in Nashville. Check them out at wildrootspirits.com. Yeah, for this new series, one of the ways that we're kind of getting this going is by talking about some of these ingredients that you'll just find out in your garden. 
and out in your yard this time of year while you're getting ready to maybe restart your garden or you're getting ready to plant things. Um, Maybe you're starting a garden for the first time. We're going to talk about all that stuff. But I do think it's worth mentioning that there's all these plants out there now that you can learn about that are telling you something about your soil that are telling you about maybe some of the sunlight that you might have, maybe some of the deficiencies in your garden or your growing soil, you know, your, your soil that you're about to turn into a garden. Uh, so we want to talk about all that stuff. The last episode, first episode for Garden Teen that we did was on violets because it's a great ingredient that's coming up that's around, that's easy to play with, especially if it's in your backyard. Um, so today on Garden Teen, we're going to be talking about dandelions. As we and also about some um, things you can do to kind of get your soil ready, and maybe you're already you've already done that, and uh, we've got some ideas on starting seeds, some DIY container kind of things you can use, uh, stuff like that, and then as always, we will have some drink recipes for you. Got to give a shout out to Turner Publishing. Published my new book, Garden to Glass: Grow Your Drinks from the Ground Up. Book has been out. About six months now, this is just crazy, the way that uh, that life just totally turned us upside down for a little bit. Uh, last week, I was supposed to be in D.C. doing an event at the Dabney, the cellar at the Dabney, and checking out the cherry blossom trees, and uh, today I was supposed to fly to New York City and be hanging out with uh, the good people at Bar Wyo in New York City, so... Hopefully we can get those rescheduled and hopefully there's, um, I don't even know what to say. Hopefully we can pick this back up relatively soon as long as it's safe for everybody. Um, hopefully we can get this back rolling here at some point, maybe in the fall, get the get the book tour back going. But this book, I'll be talking a little bit about some things from the book and things that I couldn't include in the book. And I've also got some audio interviews from my time of writing the book, uh, an interview with the Barefoot Farmer that I think would be a lot of fun to run on this feed on the Garden Teen series here on Liquid Gold. So shout out to Turner Publishing. I will be reading some excerpts from the book and to all the people that were involved with it. This will be, I guess, sort of like a an in-home book tour of sorts. So I'll be reading some excerpts from the book and talking about some of the recipes from the book, but also ways that you can um, take it a little bit further. There's plenty of stuff that uh, to talk about, you know, right now since we are kind of all stuck at home doing our thing, and a lot of people are are turning to gardening so much so that some of the seed companies, and if you're looking for seed companies, some of these. Companies are struggling to keep up with demand. Botanical interests, that's a great one that you'll see. You know, you'll see that at Turnip Truck. You'll see that around at different stores. Uh, Their website is a little bit overloaded, and they're having to pause. But Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company, they are just a little bit delayed, but they are getting plenty of orders out. And there's a ton of people growing a ton of things. So that's pretty cool. That's a good thing that I think can come from this. And I'll just be here just to maybe help you a little bit along the way. Now, as I say in the book, I'm no master gardener. I'm not here to tell you uh, everything you need to know. But I feel like I can offer some helpful tips here and there and stuff that's working for me, not working for me, because I'm just right there along with you. Redoing my garden this year, taking this time to 
just sort of rethink things and get a little bit more sunlight on some of my my growing space and expand some things here and add an area for some shade-friendly stuff. So I'm excited. Dandelions are something that is not always synonymous with gardening. They're thought of as anti-gardening, really, or things that you really don't want near your house. I think it's cool to start with some of these things like violets and dandelions that are just going to be out in your yard that you can experiment with and that do play and have always played, going back to Roman times, really big roles in what we drink, how we drink, why we drink certain things, and there's a healthy aspect to a lot of these plants that are coming up this this time of year because they're helping us out with spring coming on and the inactivity associated with winter. A lot of the herbs and flowers and things that are coming up now are coming up to help help get your blood flowing and get you rolling into spring. So a lot of these plants are coming up for a reason and can be a lot of fun to make drinks with and experiment with. And dandelion's a big one because dandelion is uh, one of the key ingredients for chartreuse. You can definitely taste in the yellow chartreuse VEP. If you uh, have the good fortune to taste some of that, it's a little pricey, but worth it as it's one of the most delicious elixirs known to humans. One of the things that sticks out about yellow chartreuse and yellow chartreuse VEP especially is the dandelion aroma the dandelion taste, the beautiful honeyed quality of yellow chartreuse can be, in many people's opinion, and mine, uh, can be traced to dandelion being a, an ingredient in chartreuse. But of course, the joke and truth about all of the ingredients in chartreuse, such a closely held recipe, only two people know the recipe at any one time over the last four or 500 years. And the joke is, what's in chartreuse? everything. Dandelions having such a a role in spring health over thousands and thousands of years. And in a lot of the ways that people have enjoyed dandelions are in liquid form. Dandelion wine, these dandelion cordials, dandelion aperitifs, and obviously chartreuse. A common way to... Here's my cat, Boone. What you doing, Boone? You want to purr into the mic there? If I'm working, Boone's got to be on the desk. He's probably going to fly back up here in just a second. But uh, we've got a, we'll have a cool recipe for dandelion wine here later on in the show. And as I was saying earlier, one of the most common uses for dandelion is making these tinctures with the roots, which you can make incredible bitters recipes from. So gentian being one of the key ingredients in a bitters recipe. Typically, you're going to be ordering gentian online, and a lot of the good gentian comes from Sweden. There is some that you can get from the Rocky Mountains, uh, but it grows wild in only a handful of spots around the globe. However, dandelion being ubiquitous and being everywhere, dandelion root dried, lightly roasted in the oven, chopped up, and then tinctured, your kind of home uh, bitters recipe regimen pantry, if you will. But dandelion root being an incredible substitute for gentian, which can be hard to find and can be hard to find in a fresh capacity. Dandelion root, just a great substitute for gentian and any bitters recipe. Um, great to have around. 
if you're thinking about making bitters, which what's a better time than making bitters than right now? So yeah, we've got a lot to get into today with Dandelion. Speaking about the garden, this is a time when a lot of people are going to be starting seeds or getting ready to transplant seeds. Usually around six weeks before the last frost is when a lot of people really start getting their spring and summer seeds rolling. But you you have plenty of time. You know, you really have... Don't think that, you know, just because it's springtime and it gets to late spring that you can't really get your garden on. You definitely can. Uh, there's plenty of time to start all these things and get your soil ready. Find a spot. You definitely want to be thinking about sunlight, uh, your soil health, and those are kind of the two main things. Now, starting seeds in containers in your house is something you can do. You can, when when there's no more danger of frost, you can you can have these um, seed containers outside. And some DIY stuff that I've seen over the years, people have used egg cartons. So if you, as long as you have the the cardboard, paper, egg cartons, you can use those to start seeds. Little uh, red solo cups, you can start seeds in those. Any cup like that, if you're thinking about food containers. You can use those to start seeds in. You could, you know, poke a a few holes in the bottom for drainage. Uh, You just want to think about, could this container hold some dirt? Would I be able to drain some water out of it? And can I start some seeds in it? So you can get creative. You don't have to go buy a bunch of stuff. Now I will say I'm looking at doing a few raised up beds this year. And they're kind of in this U shape where you'll be able to walk in the middle of them. And that's going to require a fair amount of organic matter. So there are companies here in Nashville. Holy Cow Soils is somebody who will deliver dirt for your garden uh, should you need that. And that is good stuff. Uh, there's one in Hendersonville, I think, and they, they will deliver plenty of dirt for your garden. So you can, you can get deliveries from people like that in Home Depot and some of the great gardening stores here in Nashville. You've got Gardens of Babylon, All Seasons, Bates, Nursery. There's a bunch of them. So many of them are doing their own kind of contactless ordering and drop-off and things like that. So look at these different spots, their website, call them up. Um, I know I did a little order at All Seasons, went, picked it up, opened my trunk, did an order over the phone. It was super easy. There are definitely ways to get some of this stuff that you need to get a garden going, but there's also some fun DIY kind of stuff that you can do as well. So that's one for starting seeds in you know, random containers that you might have around your house. I do want to mention you can always find us on Instagram at liquidgold underscore pod. That's at liquidgold underscore pod. And we love when listeners reach out, people reach out to say what's up and give us some feedback and talk about drinks that they're making, but also throwing us questions like, you know, hey, I have this ingredient. Well, it'd be a cool drink I could make. I've got a few of these these things lying around my house. What should I do with them? Um, Things like that. And we love getting into things like that with people. I want to throw a shout out to Elizabeth who wrote us on Instagram. Elizabeth is a psalm and beverage professional out there, like a lot of us, is just missing the contact with people and the being around people and getting through a long shift that's hard, but you made it through. And that communication and contact and 
togetherness, I guess, of the whole thing is what a lot of people miss. Kenneth and I, we're going to do a phoner at some point here. We're not doing it tonight, but maybe next week. But Kenneth and I wanted to just have a phone conversation where we can just like order drinks from each other and kind of go through that whole process because those are those are the weird things that you miss, just like helping someone find their drink. Anyway, Elizabeth, we feel you, and we appreciate you listening. She reached out about uh, some cherry blossoms that she had coming in. This was uh, about a week ago or so, and had some cherry blossoms coming in, wondering what, what would be a cool way to utilize them in a drink. We sent her some ideas. There's uh, this website, uh, japan talk.com that had some cool stuff about cherry blossoms and then we talked to her about steeping the petals like tea for a day or two kind of letting them cool in the fridge pickling the blossoms to use later on down the road and uh, just lightly infusing flowers edible flowers as long as you know definitely what they are you know infusing them into liquids is a really easy way like honeysuckle which we're going to talk about next week possibly we might get into honeysuckle along with some other uh, young shoots that are coming up in your garden. Anyway, flowers, great to infuse. Do it in like a really lightly flavored alcohol like vodka, pisco, maybe a light rum. So, Elizabeth, thanks for reaching out. Appreciate you. And we all cannot get back to making drinks and making people happy. Before we get into some dandelion recipes, now the cat's jumping back on the computer, I do want to give... Maybe folks who are like, I don't know if I have enough sun. I don't know if my soil's any good. There are plenty of herbs that you can do that don't need a ton of sun, that don't need great soil. There's even some herbs who like slightly dry and even damaged soil at times. But some of these herbs that prefer dry soil, I can go through. You can talk about tarragon, thyme, wormwood rosemary, sage, uh, some of the savory stuff, marjoram, lavender. Lavender especially prefers dry soil and you don't want to overwater. If you've ever had trouble with lavender or rosemary or even like chamomile, they, they'll, they'll tell you when they want water, but if they're struggling, if you've ever had trouble with them, it could be because the soil's too moist and if they get too much water, they, they are just not happy, not happy with the wet feet. And then some of these herbs that you can grow, like I have an area in my garden that is not full sun by any stretch, but it has enough really hot kind of later afternoon sun with a little bit of shade mixed in, has some part sun, part shade. And um, I've had luck in Tennessee doing rhubarb in those conditions. So I'm going to try that as long as I winter it really well, mulch it um, and really get it covered for wintertime, it, uh, it has done pretty well for me. So rhubarb is something we'll be tackling on a future episode. And other, some herbs here that prefer some shade. You've got uh, chervil is a good one. Um, Angelica is something I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be growing this year and talking about that. Stuff like uh, lemon balm, parsley, lovage is, is a fun one that we will be talking a little bit about. The celery, the intensely celery flavored herb known as lovage Uh, that one does well with with partial shade woodruff is one that you can plant woodruff is in the garden at husk and can be just amazing to grow and can be really easy to grow and take care of 
because it just doesn't want a ton of uh, sun. So woodruff is a, is a nice one to plant in the shade. So there are plenty of things that you can plant even in less than ideal conditions. And then I uh, do want to throw a shout out to Kevin from Charleston riding in to uh, Liquid Gold. And we were talking about fertilizer. And one thing that you want to be careful of this time of year when you have seedlings coming up in your garden, you're just kind of getting things going. You want to be careful about fertilizing them too much. A lot of the liquid fertilizers that you'll just mix with water, they'll recommend going about half as much concentration of fertilizer in those liquid fertilizers uh, so as not to kind of overwhelm these young seedlings with fertilizer. They don't like that. And they will tell you so the next day they will not look happy. Um, so that's something to be careful about. You definitely want to get your fertilizing situation figured out what you're going to use, how often you're going to use it. Do you have a fertilizer, like a separate one that you can use for tomatoes and your vegetables that are going to be flowering? Because that's something you want to think about. You might need another fertilizer, a different kind of fertilizer, once things start to flower. Um, so the Fox Farm stuff is typically what I've used, and it's available at most uh, garden stores. And, of course, you can get those shipped to you as well. Um, down the road when we talk a little bit more about fertilizing and it probably here in two, two to three weeks, um, we'll talk about some natural ways, kind of making your own and composting and all those things. Remember, you can always email us at liquidgoldpod at gmail.com. That's liquidgoldpod at gmail.com. You can email us there with any questions, comments, suggestions, wondering what we're doing, what could we... What's the secret to an old-fashioned? Uh, <laughs> that was on an upcoming canceled episode, so that's like something on the DL. Maybe we could just pass along on email. Hey, we'll answer your questions. Hit us up. Now, why are we talking about dandelions in the middle of a gardening episode as the topic of a gardening uh, episode of this this new thing that we're doing here on Liquid Gold? Well, this is a beverage podcast, and dandelions are such an amazing member of the extended food and drink family, and yet they are thought of as poisonous. Dandelions seem to be held in such disdain uh, when you walk into a hardware store with a wall full of weed killer and pesticides with a dandelion on the front of it. Um, And yet, here's a plant that has had so many uses over the years, now, going back 30 million years ago is where uh, when they believed that dandelion uh, evolved. So this is a plant, a foundational plant, really, for food for humans and has been used as an herb for pretty much all of recorded history. Also used in Chinese medicine for you know thousands of years and also used by Native Americans for uh, medicinal use and for culinary use, but was probably not native to America, but was probably brought over here by someone who was going to be using it medicinally. So this is a, as Susan Weed would refer to it, a plant of use. And with that, we're going to go down Excerpt Alley here on Liquid Gold. It is just fascinating to me that you have a plant with all this use to it, 
and all this functionality and cocktails and everything. And it's just viewed as something you really need to go out and buy something to kill it. When in reality, you can just mow over it if you don't like it. This is an excerpt from Garden to Glass. Grow your drinks from the ground up by yours truly. This is your uh, portion of the audiobook. The Demonization of the Dandelion. When Kate and I sold the first house we bought, complete with the 360-degree garden I had worked so hard on over the years and learned so much from, it was difficult to imagine starting a new garden from scratch. But my appreciation for all the plants growing outside the garden served me well as I began to plant another one five miles north of our first house. When spring began sprouting, where, I, where I'm recording from now, think, come to think of it, uh, when spring began sprouting, I kept a close eye on where the sunlight was falling in my backyard. One day, before beginning to dig, I noticed that a wild botanical, the Japanese herb perilla, or shiso, a lovely basil-like herb I had searched high and low for in years past, was spreading all over my backyard. I chalked it up to some forager's karma or good gardening mojo, but the truth turned out to be that the old inhabitants of my house had a large pond in the backyard where they raised koi fish. And they also grew some traditional Japanese herbs. Now each summer I have shiso bordering an entire section of my garden, and instead of searching for it, I only have to cut it back now and then to keep it from totally taking over. As time goes on, an inquisitive mind can be the gardener's best friend. The more plants you are able to identify with certainty, the less you'll see things in your yard or your neighborhood as black and white, good and bad. Many of the weeds we look to get rid of should actually be classified as herbs, since an herb can be defined as a plant that has use or benefit. Take for instance the extremely common broadleaf plantain, a spinach-like green that sprouts up in open spaces everywhere and may just be hanging out all over your yard come May and June. Not only can it be cooked and eaten like spinach, it also has incredible healing properties when chewed and applied to a bee sting or other bug bite. If you live in the northern or central United States, there's a magical wild cousin of the chamomile herb with an unforgettably tropical aroma known as pineapple weed that grows everywhere. While in Charleston, South Carolina one spring, I noticed many of the alleyways smelled like perfume only to realize it was the wisteria vine another wildflower perfect for infusing into cordials and liqueurs, as well as for its traditional use, decorating birthday cakes. Another ingredient that grows all over the United States but is rarely used, which is puzzling as it is so common in distant, exotic cuisines, is sumac. While poisonous sumac has white fruits, this variety is extremely rare to find in the wilds of America. The more common varieties you'll begin to see if you keep your eye out for them are staghorn sumac, winged sumac, and smooth sumac with its beautiful red berries. The fruit can be dried and used as a spice, or it can be made into a delicious beverage by infusing the ripe late summer sumac berries into a pitcher of cold water for half an hour, then straining them out and drinking the infusion with a cordial of your choice or a bit of sugar. Their taste and color are akin to pink lemonade. And of course, when it comes time to clear some space for a garden or to clear out the early spring newcomers to make space for more established botanicals like 
lemon balm, borage, and basil, dandelion is one of the first maligned weeds to go. The demonization of the dandelion is such that it is the face, literally, and we talked about this a minute ago, uh, it's on the bottle of a certain weed killer, of all that has come to invade your own personal Augusta, your manicured felt table of perfection known as the lawn. But I would urge you to experiment with this wild botanical growing all around us. If an herb is defined as a plant of use, the dandelion would certainly qualify. Used in such vaunted liquors as yellow chartreuse and bittersweet sailors and Sue's, it has digestive and diuretic benefits. And according to Susan Weed, author of Healing Wise and a champion of the dandelion, it can boost the immune system as well as heart and liver function. Before picking dandelions, however, you must be certain that no pesticides have been sprayed on them, which takes a healthy botanical and turns it into a toxic one. Use the leaves in springtime salads as they provide a nice bitter balance to the juicy, vibrant flavors of good fresh lettuce. And if you don't want to order Swiss gentian online for making bitters and cordials, digging up the dandelion root, washing it and drying it for a few days, and chopping it up and storing it in a sealed container away from sunlight, will provide you with a fresh local bittering agent to use in all of your garden to glass applications. But the flower itself holds so much beautiful honeyed flavor, it would be a crime not to use it while you wait for your other plants to develop. When picking the flowers, simply pinch them from their stems to ensure continued production. My goal with this cordial, the dandelion flower cordial, is to simulate what dandelion honey would taste like, with the dandelion flavor certainly shining through. The honey and the lemon zest only serve to bring out those respective flavors of the flower itself. I'd encourage anyone making cordials to use this as a guide. When showcasing a particular ingredient, utilize the subtle tasting notes of that ingredient to round out the flavors of your cordial. For example, lemon balm and lemon verbena are obvious choices to use with lemon. And since lemon balm and some varieties of thyme share a flavor affinity, you can add a small piece of thyme to a lemon herb cordial to add complexity and depth and bring out the herbal flavor in cocktails this is something we'll cover in depth in chapter 9 cordials in the art of finishing another essential wild botanical for use in cocktails and beverages is japanese honeysuckle which grows abundantly all over the united states in all but seven states and so that's uh that's an ingredient honeysuckle that we will get to on a future episode here of Garden Teened here on Liquid Gold. This is our new series that we're doing, talking about garden, talking about plants, while we are all stuck at home. Okay, the dandelion cordial in the book. I can give that recipe here real quick. So the ingredient list, uh, three quarts water, four quarts sugar, two quarts of dandelion flowers, and all that's divided at this point. Um, use more dandelion flowers if you can get your hands on them. And one method, uh, that I don't mention here in this book, but this is something I've done with violets and dandelions over the years. You can pick a bunch of them. And if you're not going to make the cordial that day, or if you want to pick them, you know, save a week down the road, you can pick some of your blossoms and freeze them and use them a little bit down the road. But probably best to use them right away if you can. If you can find that many and more if you got them. 
So the two quarts dandelion flowers washed thoroughly in cold water and set aside to dry for a few hours. Let the bugs run out. A third cup orange blossom honey or another light honey. You don't want to use dark wildflower honey here for this little flavor accent. Uh, the flavor is too powerful for that. And you want to use the zest of two lemons. So you bring the water to a boil, lower the heat to a medium simmer, and add the sugar and one quart of the dandelion flowers. Simmer for 20 minutes, then promptly remove from the heat. Stir in the honey and let the syrup cool. After it is cooled, cover the syrup and refrigerate overnight. Add the remaining quart of dandelion flowers the following day, along with the lemon zest, and let the syrup infuse for another two days in the refrigerator. Over the course of those two days, taste the cordial as it infuses and add more fresh dandelions to increase the flavor if you like. Just remember to pinch them off the stems and wash them well under cold water. Um, pinching them off the stems and even um, separating those flower petals from that the bitter floret uh, will will really help get more of that flavor, more of that floral flavor, and less of the bitter flavor. And another thing you can do with these blossoms as you're cooking them down and letting them steep, when the time comes to strain them out, you do want to press on them. You want to sort of massage as much of that juice out of the dandelion as possible, and that you will get so much more of that honeyed floral goodness that you want if you um, adhere to that. One little disclaimer here that I need to throw in is this recipe in the book is a pretty large-scale recipe. Um, it's something that you can keep around for the whole summer and also was meant to be something folks could incorporate into their bar programs and their beverage programs. But if you need to scale this recipe back, pretend that quart is cup and scale it way down, make a small batch of it, and experiment a little bit with how many dandelions you're able to use. So if you, if you just do three cups of sugar, two cups of water, and one cup to two cup of dandelion blossoms, you're in a similar ratio there. Take it down to a teaspoon of honey and scale the recipe down if you need to, since um, you're probably not going to be making drinks for a bunch of different people with this dandelion cordial now. <laughs> I just wanted to add that in real quick. What's something we could make with a dandelion cordial or just dandelions that you could wash, set aside, and then just shake into a cocktail, use as a garnish. Just think about going out, picking four dandelions out of your yard that has no pesticides in it, washing those dandelions, letting them sit on the counter, and then that's an ingredient, that's an herb, that's that's a, a, an ingredient that you can use for some really cool cocktails. So take this dandelion strawberry sour. That's one of my favorite uh, things to pair with dandelion is strawberry. Just amazing. It's classic. Uh, classic in a salad. Dandelion leaves, dandelion greens, strawberries, and a light lemon vinaigrette. That would just be amazing. I love it with cocktails, of course. Um, so a dandelion strawberry sour. Now we're going to talk whiskey sour. But this would also be great as a gin sour. You could even use tequila. Actually, you know, for this, I'm going to say you can use whatever spirit you want, base spirit. Anything from vodka, maybe the honeysuckle vodka from Cathead would be cool, to pisco, to tequila. It would, it would all work for this. Now, but if we're doing a dandelion strawberry whiskey sour, 
We do want to use some egg white. If eggs are scarce for you, as they've been for me a few times, aquafaba, the liquid from uh, chickpeas, canned chickpeas, that's a great cocktail ingredient that was you were probably going to see on a lot of menus this spring. Um, so that would be good to use. Otherwise, we're going to use an egg white to give this, you know, that that great whiskey sour cloud of delicious booze foam. So you've got your egg white, two ounces of whiskey, maybe our friends at Greenbrier, their Nelson's Greenbrier, Tennessee whiskey. That could be cool. Um, we're going to do three quarter ounce of lemon juice. If you have other citrus around, maybe some orange. You could juice a little orange in there. Say a little tablespoon of orange juice would be nice. We're keeping it healthy. Um, then you're going to use a half ounce of that dandelion cordial that we just made. You're also going to shake in, you're going to shake in a couple of dandelion flowers. And we're going to do in this a dash of orange bitters or a dash of Angostura for the whiskey sour. Now, if you're doing gin, I would do maybe some orange bitters. Maybe a lemon bitters would be nice. Dandelion bitters, do you have those? That would be incredible. I don't, are we going to have enough time to do a dandelion bitters recipe? We probably should. Okay, that's what I'd recommend there. If you're doing vodka, gin, pisco, tequila, something light, I'd go orange, lemon bitters. With the whiskey, I would do Ango. Have two strawberries and add three halves and lightly muddle those into the mixture before you get your shake going. You're going to shake up all those ingredients, say the the egg white. If you uh, are using aquafaba, the chickpea liquid, use anywhere from three quarter ounce to an ounce and a quarter of that. You're going to dry shake those ingredients that is without ice and then add some big cubes of ice, a couple of them, to your shaker. And shake that thing up for a while. Because I know everybody's out of shape probably. So just until you get tired, which is going to be like 30 seconds. (laughs) Shake it longer if you can. Once you've shaken all that goodness up, your dandelion strawberry sour, you can serve that however you want. I'd probably say strain it into a rocks glass with a couple of rocks. And then garnish it with the one half strawberry that you have left. If you have some mint or some basil lying around, that would be great. If not, use those dandelion flowers for garnish. And some of the dandelion greens would also be nice and give it kind of a, another dimension aroma-wise. It would give you this real spring, beautiful aroma. So there it is, our dandelion strawberry sour. And like a lot of these recipes with everything going on, I don't want to be super specific. I'm going to say, and I'm not even bullshitting you, I think this would be great with a light rum. It would be great with gin. We're flexible here at Liquid Gold, especially for this Garden Teen series. Um, Another application of your dandelion cordial that you could do, the dandelion spritz. So if you have some vermouth lying around for your martinis that you're probably making, martinis a good drink to, to have right now, a couple ingredients and a drink that should be made strong, but If you don't want to just sit around drinking strong martinis all the time, dandelion spritz might be great for your dandelion cordial, a little vermouth. Say you've got some lay around, maybe Dolan dry vermouth. If you're lucky, you've got like the Bonal, the French aperitif, wine-based beautiful product. Sailors would be another one that is just one of my favorite things to pair with dandelions. So do an ounce and a half of any one of those vermouths. 
or a pair of teeths, quarter ounce to a half ounce of the dandelion cordial, and top it with sparkling wine or soda. And there's your simple dandelion spritz. Garnish it with dandelion greens and dandelion flowers. Whatever other herb you have lying around, maybe you've got some mint coming up, some rosemary from the garden. There's your dandelion spritz. Just pour that over ice into a big wine glass. Stir it around a little bit and add those bubbles in to agitate. And then give it another little stir. Another little bit of sparkling wine or soda and garnish. And there you go. You are in good shape. And now's the time before we do any more dandelion recipe. Now is the time to turn it over to... Booze Across America, News Boozington, Booze Newsington, Mr. Kenneth Dedman, calling from the wide open skies of West Texas. What you got for Booze News this week, buddy? I'm going to turn it over to you. Thanks, Mike. This is Booze News from Quarantine. I'm Kenneth Dedman. In the Vatican, 83-year-old... Uh, Pope Francis, the pontiff, entertaining a group of of Scottish seminarians uh, filming for the BBC series Preschool. It's called Preschool, not preschool. You get the joke anyway. Pope Francis was presented with a bottle of Oban 14, of course, a classic, classic example of beautifully crafted uh, scotch whiskey, single malt scotch whiskey, kind of a light smoky thing to it. Uh, It's present, but it's not overbearing, true to the Highland style. The the Pope, graciously receiving the bottle, proclaimed uh, whiskey the true holy water, much to the chagrin of uh, Protestants, but perhaps uh, a nod to the monastic roots of whiskey, which go all the way back to the Crusades, which were the 8th, 19th, 9th century. By the Third Crusade, I believe, uh, Italian monks had uh, procured stills that were used uh, in the Middle East, mostly for mostly for essential oils, extracting essential oils and uh, botanics. Uh, but Italian monks found a way, really great way, of uh, taking old, bad uh, wine and and running it through, extracting, extracting the alcohol from them, making the very first brandies uh, of all time. The practice was shared amongst all uh, Catholicism and it spread it spread like it spread like something like uh, like a vine we'll call it like it spread like a vine that's a good V word a vine across all of Western Europe but of course in uh, Scotland and Ireland there aren't a lot of grapes that, that grow grow there or not well uh, but they they certainly do have a really great grain called barley to which uh, Scottish and Irish monks would then ferment and produce the very first whiskies, which is the Gaelic word for water of life. This is Booze News, coming to you from quarantine. We're going to keep it up, keep listening, checking in on us. What else, Mike? Hey, you tell me, buddy. Let's hear one more, huh? Sounded good out there with the crickets. In COVID-19 positive news, for the week ending in April 4th, 
booze is up 33% compared to its sales in the United States in 2019, primarily spearheaded by tequila sales. It's unfair and ready to drink products. So a lot of y'all are not getting out there, picking some weird shit from your garden and throwing it in a jar with your booze in the fridge, being patient, putting a little effort forth, but that's okay. Um, I dig it because I'm... Typically, like, these days, when I get a chance to rest, which is not very often, I'm really quick with the booze and straight to the couch, the bed, or on the floor. I don't care. I just kind of want my end-of-the-day drink when I've made a hard day's work in. In these trying times, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, kudos to y'all on the tequila, the uptick in tequila sales. A big boo to... I wouldn't call y'all lazy. You you wear your cocktail in your shoulders, I suppose. And uh, if you just don't have the wherewithal or the might, it's more like the might. If you don't have the might to go out there and do it yourself, I dig it. Get those ready-to-drink products. But it's just sugar, some sort of flavored sugar. You might as well just get something fresh, take care of your body, boost those immunities. What do you think? I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Well, I think you're talking about tequila out in the middle of the Texas desert with a bunch of crickets, but I like it. All right. We want to thank Kenneth Dedman, my co-host, partner in crime. He's out there. He decided to get as far away from society as he could, and he's going to be checking in with some dispatches from uh, wherever he ends up out there in the middle of nowhere. So thanks to you, Kenneth. Find him at Dedman K. D-E-D-M-O-N-K on Instagram and harass him on there as well. I did mention a little bit about dandelion bitters, so I want to give that recipe a, a really easy recipe that you could do. Now, a lot of times for harvesting the root, you want to wait. A lot of times you want to wait till summer, uh, till late summer even. The roots get more established and they're a little bit bigger, but... You can still use, there's tons of vibrant flavor in those roots as they're developing now. You just want to probably find a more mature plant, dig that up, um, get the root up, clean it off really well. You could even take your garden hose and hose it down, clean it off, get it inside, maybe wash it a little bit more in the sink. Take the root, however many roots you can get. Say you've got a cup of chopped up, dried and lightly uh, dried slash lightly roasted dandelion root. If you have a cup, do do one cup of the dandelion root to four cups of a hundred proof vodka or a vodka if you've got a, that you've got lying around to extract the flavor and preserve the flavor of the dandelion root. Get that in a mason jar after it has totally cooled, coming out of a hundred to two hundred degree oven for say an hour or two just to get the root dried and do it in a, in a quicker, more efficient way is probably the oven. Take the uh, dried slash roasted and chopped up dandelion root, a cup to about four cups or so of vodka. Get that in a mason jar. Shake that up. Store it in a cool place, a cool dry spot under the sink or in a, in a cabinet. Shake it as much as you can, as often as you can, and in a, in a month or two would be better, you'll have a really awesome base for a bunch of different bitters that you could do. Say you made like a little cinnamon tincture, a tincture of anything. Say you made a basil tincture. Well, you can make it 
more of a bitters with a backbone by adding this dandelion tincture. Thanks once again to our friends from Wild Roots Vodka for sponsoring this episode today of Garden Teen, the new series here on Liquid Gold. You can find Wild Roots Vodka at wildrootsspirits.com. They come to us in Nashville here via Spirit Animal Co-op from Erin Barnett. She's bringing in all these cool spirits, amazing stuff to the Nashville area. So we want to recognize her for doing awesome work with that, as well as the folks at Wild Roots Vodka who have all these incredible naturally based flavored vodkas like a peach, marionberry, similar to the mulberry, and they have some amazing cranberry cocktails on their website at wildrootspirits.com. There's a huckleberry vodka that's just incredible. You can use these in your culinary applications as well. Their pear vodka is incredible in really light Prosecco base kind of cocktails and they have incredible gin as well their london dry gin and their cucumber grapefruit gin just amazing for cocktails and for sipping alike and these beautiful bottles would look so amazing on the back bar at home or once we are all able to get behind that fabled bar once again thanks to our friends at wild roots vodka wildrootspirits.com the last recipe I want to do before we get out of here today, talking dandelions here on Garden Teened as we get into gardening season, we are also talking about some of the lovely things that are growing out and around your garden. Dandelion wine. I do want to give a, a cool recipe for this. This one's from Mother Earth News. They want you to start with picking one gallon of perfect open dandelion blossoms. You put those in a two-gallon or larger uh, crock. You pour boiling water over them. Cover it with cheesecloth. Let it sit at room temperature for about three days. Uh, get all the juice out of those flowers. Put that liquid into a big pot. Add three pounds of sugar, three or four lemons, the juice, the skin, seeds, all of it chopped up, they say, three or four oranges. You boil that mixture for 30 minutes with the top on the pot. Cool to look lukewarm. Pour into a crock. Add one half to two packages or tablespoons of yeast. I would think, they don't mention this recipe, I think champagne yeast would be awesome. Cover it with cheesecloth, let it sit out for about two to three weeks till the bubbling stops, and there you go. I will say most people who make dandelion wine, and it is best to, to really let it sit and age for months. You want to try to do it for about to age it for about five to six months if possible. So that's dandelion wine. That would be an amazing thing to have when, you know, this year, if you want to talk about the calendar getting reorganized, we're going to have the Masters in November, Kentucky Derby in September. So it might be fun to have a vibrant spring flavor like dandelion around as the calendar gets flipped around here for this year. There, there I am. I'm trying to put a positive spin on it all. Thank you so much for listening to Liquid Gold. We're going to be uh, just playing around with this idea, talking about the natural world and your garden outside. We're going to give some helpful th- tips where we can and recipes and just try to have some fun, maybe give you an escape a little bit from the crazy world we find ourselves in. My name's Mike Wolf. want to thank Kenneth Dedman for calling in for his filing his booze news reports from the great outdoors that he finds himself in. I want to thank Michael Eads from We Own This Town, weownthistown.net, and Jess Matchin for all her lovely artwork. 
Thank y'all so much for listening again. It's liquidgoldpod at gmail.com and liquidgold underscore pod on Instagram. Find us on there. Give us a follow. Say what's up. My name's Mike Wolf, and we will see you next time on Liquid Gold.